This episode is brought to you by Paycor, the HR and payroll software made for leaders. It's never been harder to recruit, hire, and engage workers. That's why HR leaders and frontline managers depend on Paycor for all things people management, from onboarding and performance reviews to compensation and benefits. Learn more at paycor.com slash leaders. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. As always, I am Bryson Carver. It is great to have you in on this Friday evening. Do we have a loaded show for you guys today? First of all, do we have a loaded sports weekend in store? Not we, just the sports world in general has a store for us. The fans, the media, the players, uh, everybody in between. It's, it's so exciting. We got the World Cup, obviously. U.S. versus the Netherlands, I am not confident whatsoever. I don't know if that makes me unpatriotic. Uh, I hope, certainly hope it doesn't come off that way. Uh, but Christian Pulisic is going to play, though, it looks like. So uh, we, we should at least have a, a prayer's chance against ne the, the Netherlands tomorrow in the round of 16. But going to start the show with Bills Patriots. Going to focus mostly on New England, but I do think with Buffalo, there's something that I saw last night, and I tweeted about it, that is a very, very encouraging sign if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, if you're a member of Bills Mafia. Moving forward, I'll get to that. As well as championship weekend in college football, folks, in less than 48 hours, we are going to know who the four teams in the college football playoff will be. So excited to talk about that. I'll predict some of the, or not some of the, 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 uh, the championship games that have playoff relevance. Okay, so ACC title game, sorry Clemson and North Carolina fans. Nobody's watching that game except for Clemson and North Carolina fans. Okay, okay, because at that same time, people are going to be watching Purdue-Michigan. I'm talking about the games that have college football playoff relevance. I'll predict all of those later on the show. And, of course, it's week 13, folks. And if the, the NFL, I love the, the people who put together the schedules do a masterful job every winter. Because to this point, week 13 is far and away the most interesting slate of games all season long for an entire Sunday. I mean, I mentioned the games yesterday, like the, your Chiefs, Bengals, your, you know, your games like that. But even the, the, the games between teams with a losing record or non-contending teams are fascinating, okay? So looking forward to predicting those games uh, later in the show. So again, we've got a load of show for you today. Before I get any sports, though, I think it is worth mentioning. Uh, I do have a, a, a little prop uh, adjustment here over my right shoulder. Got a... Got got the the man with the bag behind me. I got Santa, uh, the basketball version of Santa. He's in the white uh, white Santa suit with the twenty five on it. Obviously for December twenty fifth, Christmas Day. And I've got the football version of Santa. Uh, that's I'm sure he he would have made for a, a heck of a running back uh, back in his younger days. So listen for all those watching or listening. Just know, even on carving it up live, he sees you when you are sleeping. 
He knows when you're awake. And, and I, I made sure I, I made, I made sure I had a conversation with him beforehand. He proves of my takes. Okay. So there's nothing. I'm not going to say anything that's going to get me on the naughty list. I think. So let's start with an NFL game last night. Again, the week 13 schedule is incredible. And last night's game was, I think, a part of that in terms of interest level. We've had, we've had some some duds in the Thursday night schedule. Last night was was highly interesting in terms of the matchup. Buffalo Bills, New England Patriots. Bills won the game 24 to 10. And as I heard somebody on the radio say earlier today, that was the most lopsided 24 to 10 game I've ever seen in my life. Seriously. So for the New England Patriots, who now fall into six and six, and I said coming into the season that they would not make the playoffs, but they would start the first half and you know, first 10 games or so of this season and be really interesting, right? They'd be in the playoff mix. We'd be talking about, hey, can they supplant Buffalo or, you know, in this case now this year, the Miami Dolphins for the division? No, they actually can't even beat the Jets, but that's another conversation for another day. But I said early in their schedule, a lot of winnable games. Okay, because you got you got the Bears, which they actually lost that game, but you've got the the uh, the Browns and the Lions. Yeah, you, you'll win those games. The Pittsburgh Steelers, who are limited offense, limited offensively, they'll win those games. But the last six, seven games of the year for the Patriots, and I said this, go back and check the tape. Back when the schedule came out in May, brutal. Minnesota, Buffalo twice, Cincinnati, that explosive Raiders offense, Kyler Murray, and Miami. And I said coming in this year, I'm not sure the Patriots win more than one of those games. Thus far, through this stretch of the season that I talked about coming into the season, they're 0-2. And it's for exactly the reasons that I thought they'd be 0-2 by this point in this little stretch of the season to close out the season, and for the very reason that I thought they missed the playoffs with a 7-10 record. Two individuals. I'll start with the first one uh, before I get into the second one. The first one, Bill Belichick. A man who's been called the greatest coach of all time for, I'd go so far as to say a decade, at least since him and Tom Brady won the their fifth Super Bowl title against the Atlanta Falcons with that legendary 28-3 comeback. I'd say since then, maybe even before then, people have been talking about, oh, Belichick's the greatest coach ever. And I've always pushed back on that point. Because in terms of influence on the game, he doesn't hold the resume of a Bill Walsh, a Vince Lombardi, heck, even a, even Coach Brown in Cleveland, decades and decades and decades ago, does all the influence. He has never won without Tom Brady. Never. Those four seasons in Cleveland got to the playoffs once with Tom, without Tom Brady in New England, which is now, what is it, five years? He's gotten to the playoffs once. So we we Belichick's got a history of this. And coming into the season, and I, I was all over Bill for doing this. When Josh McDaniels left to go to the Las Vegas Raiders to be their new head coach. Okay, so there's a there's a gap in the offensive coordinator spot. And with a young quarterback in Mac Jones, who you just took in the first round a year ago, that's that is a very important spot to fill, especially when Bill Belichick is not an offensive mind. He's a defensive coach. So you decide, hey, we're just going to wait the whole offseason, sit back in our rocking chairs, talk about the weather. Matt Patricia, that's what we're going to do. We're going to bring back Matt Patricia, and we're going to bring back Joe Judge. 
two uh, two uh, coordinators, two former coordinators for the New England Patriots that both bombed as head coaches, that both stunted the growth of their respective quarterbacks. We're going to bring those back for our second-year quarterback who we know is athletically limited. Mac Jones' strength, go back to the draft, and it's the one thing I said about him. You guys know I did not like Mac, draft, Mac Jones coming out of the draft in 2021. But the one thing I said and everybody said, even the doubters said, and this kid is smart. Like, he's gotten by on processing defense as well, right? He's he's fairly accurate. He's He's got pretty good leadership intangibles. But in terms of talent, he doesn't even come close to Trevor Lawrence or to even Zach Wilson. Now, Zach Wilson, that's a, he was going to be a buzz for another story. His was the intangibles that were the issue, okay? Not near as talented as Fields or even Trey Lance. So you are going to need great coaching like what Mac Jones had at Alabama on the offensive side of the ball specifically, to develop him. And Belichick, who has been hearing for years about the genius he is, about how he can plug anybody, because it's the Patriot way, can plug anybody in. We'll win games, we'll make the playoffs, and we got ourselves another opportunity to compete for a seventh Super Bowl title. No, that's not how it works. When you have the greatest quarterback of all time, heck, if you even have an elite quarterback, a Mahomes, an Allen, a Burrow, you can you can mask a lot of the flaws. Heck, look what Aaron Rodgers did for years with Nathaniel Hackett. How's Nathaniel Hackett look with a limited quarterback? Not great, but he, he looked pretty good when he had Aaron Rodgers. And now that Aaron has declined physically, Matt LaFleur's gotten exposed. Same thing with Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots ever since Tom Brady left them high and dry. Folks, since the greatest quarterback of all time left Bill Belichick, he is one game over 500. And I will bet, I'm not, you know, listen, I'm not a betting man. It's the reason I have the segment if I were a betting man. But if I were, I'd lay a lot of money that by season's end, Coach Belichick in the three years post-Brady will have a losing record. Not hiring an actual offensive coordinator to develop your young guy. It'd be a stupid plan if you still had Tom Brady in his prime. But he's Tom Brady. He's, I mean, again, great arm, accurate, moves great in the pocket, great leadership. He's everything you could possibly want in a quarterback, minus being able to scramble like Lamar Jackson, in all honesty. He can match those flaws. But when you have no real offensive coach, not to mention the pieces you put around him are garbage. Kobe Myers, Kendrick Bourne, and the one touchdown you got was a special was via a special teams guy. The guy returned the, the punt for the game when he touched down against the Jets a couple weeks ago. Hunter Henry. Remember Johnny Smith? Remember a year and a half ago? Oh, Johnny Smith, boy, he he's gonna be a big factor this offense. I've, I don't think I've heard his name called this year. Patriots offensive line. Has it been good? Ramondre Stevenson's a, a, a decent running back, but can't throw him the ball. He's not a great pass catcher out of the backfield. So number one, the blameless is unequivocally not Matt Patricia. It's Bill Belichick for putting Matt Patricia there. We knew Matt Patricia was going to be bad. We knew when the reports from Tom Curran and other Patriots insiders were coming out of training camp in August. Matt Jones pacing on the sidelines frustrated. They could barely, barely get a first down 
Remember those joint practices they had against the Las Vegas Raiders, who, by the way, have a terrible defense. Patriots could barely get a first down against those guys. That's what I knew. Yeah, that, that, yeah. Belichick's in over his head on this one. So number one on the list is Bill Belichick. Number two, a distant second, by the way. But number two is Mac Jones. You know, the two quarterbacks that I said coming out of a 2021 draft, because anytime you have a draft with four or five first-round talents, four or five guys that the Mel Kuypers of the world and back in the day, the Mike Mayox of the world and, and Tom McShay, all of them have, all the experts have them going in the first round. Anytime there's four or five, let's just stick with five. Usually two are amazing. One is fine. You know, nothing special, not really a franchise quarterback, but like a Teddy Bridgewater level guy, an Andy Dalton level guy. And two are busts. Well, thus far, we're not really certain. I think it's safe to say out of a 2021 class, two have separated themselves. And it's the two that I thought it would be for the most part. Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Trey Lance is a big fat mystery. He's barely played. And Zach Wilson, I think it's fairly established at this point, was a bust. Or is a bust. And Mac Jones, folks, is a bust. At what point are we going to recognize that this guy is not a franchise quarterback? You say, Bryson, you're contradicting yourselves yourself because you said Belichick didn't put an offensive coach around him and, and, and the receiving core isn't great. No, exact same receiving core last year that he looked okay with. Helped the Patriots get to the playoffs with. But those last four games down the stretch of the season, remember, remember this? Remember the Patriots at one point were not only in line to win the AFC East. Forget that. They were in line with Michael McCorkle Jones to get a first round bye, to get the number one overall seed in the AFC over the Titans and the Chiefs and the Bills. The Patriots were going to do that. But then their quarterback's play dipped. He was awful against the Bills. He threw three passes. He was terrible against the Buffalo Bills in a massive game at home. He beat the Jaguars, but folks, Jaguars were the worst team in football last year. And then in a game against a Dolphins team that would have been better off losing to get a higher draft pick, he was badly outplayed by Tua Tungavailoa. And then the playoff game, obviously, against the Bills, he was dreadful. Patriots lost by 30 points. This year, listen, I've seen Tom Brady numerous occasions you act like you people act like, well, the Patriots, uh, the receiving core is, is worse than it was in the Brady years. The last three to four years with Brady, it's darn near identical. If you want to say Julian Edelman, <clears throat> excuse me, at his peak is better than anybody New England has, I'll give you that. Although I would make a very strong argument that is does Edelman amount to anything without Tom Brady? I mean, dude turned Chris Hogan into a legit number one, number two receiver. Was Chris Hogan ever that in Buffalo or after New England? No. But we would go into Super Bowls. and be like, boy, you got to worry about Chris Hogan now. That's what Tom Brady was doing. The Super Bowl against the Falcons, when the, which they made that comeback. Tom Brady turned Malcolm Mitchell into a guy like a man. Atlanta needs to key in on, on Malcolm Mitchell. That's what Tom Brady was doing year after year after year. 
There was one season, he had a receiver named Gunnar Olszewski, who he was throwing the ball to. At the end, he had an old Ben Watson. Not the young Ben Watson with the 07 Patriots, no. He had a few steps, uh, a few stops after that in New Orleans and Baltimore. Then he went back to New England, and he was washed. Tom Brady got that team at age 42 years old to a division title. Mac Jones has the team at 6-6, six and six, and once again, you could hear Patriots fans kind of murmuring, you th think we should go back to Bailey Zappi? I challenge anybody. Vikings game aside, because Mac Jones played well in that game, but folks, that's the second or uh, that's the first or second worst pass defense in the NFL in the Minnesota Vikings. It's, it's going to get them beat in the playoffs. They made Mac Jones look like Tom Brady. Vikings game aside, name one of Mac Jones's starts that have looked good that have looked better than any of Bailey Zappi's starts. Name them. Mac Jones this season, 29th in touchdown passes, 26th in yards, but most importantly, 28th in QBR. Does Belichick and Patricia deserve blame? No question. Matter of fact, as I just mentioned, Belichick's at the top of the list. But uh, I can remember very well another quarterback SEC quarterback, as a matter of fact, who inherited a 2-14 and 14 team with a coach that we're not even that high on. And within two years, he had them in the Super Bowl. His name is Joe Burrow. You can tell pretty quickly if a guy is a franchise quarterback. Heck, in year three, you guys know. I'm gonna, I, I talked about Tua yesterday. I'll talk about him in depth more today with the Dolphins-Niners game, which is huge for him. You guys know I'm not that high on Tua. Tua's, when you talk about their best games, Tua's got like seven, eight games that are better than Mac's best game. Now, Tua's in year three. He's proving it when he has to. The question is, because the Patriots, I'm here to tell you right now, folks, they are not going to make the playoffs. So Patriots fans, I know some Patriots fans. Shout out to my man, Grady Edwards. Don't get your hopes up. Because again, you look at this schedule, and I said this back in May, it's brutal. After this, they got at the Arizona Cardinals. They'll probably win that game, although I'm not certain. At the Raiders, against Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, and Devontae Adams, who are playing very well now. They got Joe Burrow. They got Tua and the Dolphins offense. And then they finish at Buffalo. I'd be shocked if they won more than one of those games. Matter of fact, I said coming into the season, they would win one and finish 7-10. and 10. Looks like that's exactly what's going to happen. You could see. You can tell pretty early. Oh, there, oh there, okay, there's something there. What have we seen with Mac Jones? He's accurate. You know, it's, it's kind of like uh, being a chef. It's, it's, it's like... Uh, well, he or she's a good chef because they don't chop their finger off. Well, that, you know, that's kind of the, that's sort of the bare minimum. He's turned into a turnover machine, check down master, bad arm. He's not a franchise quarterback, folks. He's a backup. Because when you are, when there are calls from Patriots fans, calls from the national media saying, hey, that Bailey Zappi guy, you better watch out. 
you think Bailey Zappi's a threat to Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert or Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence or Tua? Come on now. Nobody, or Jalen Hurts. A lot of young quarterbacks who've been drafted in the last three years. You're not questioning if Bailey Zappi's better than Kyler Murray. Mac Jones, though, it's a different conversation. There's a reason for that. He's not that guy. I've been telling you since the draft, he's not that guy. I mean, to think that this that this guy was was slated to possibly be the number three overall pick in 2021, it's unbelievable. I mean, look, I know there's draft bust every year, but man, would that not have been a colossal mistake by the 49ers to take Mac Jones? I don't know what Trey Lance is. I loved him out of the draft. You guys know that. I love Trey Lance out of the draft. He's barely played. I don't know. He ain't this bad. What he's put on tape, not as bad as what Mac Jones put on tape. I'll tell you that much right now. When you have the quarterback, but you don't have the coach, a la the Los Angeles Chargers, there's a clear direction for the organization to go. Staley, if the Chargers miss the playoffs, Brandon Staley's not retaining his job. If you got the coach, but you don't have the quarterback, think of a team, uh, the Cleveland Browns a couple years ago. Kevin Stefanski, like, man, this guy can coach. And Baker Mayfield, it's like, okay, yeah, we've got the guy, we, we've got the guy who can lead this organization. We do not have the quarterback. They moved on. But when you're you have both a bad coach and a bad quarterback, man, you are some serious, you know what? Ask the Denver Broncos. You can move on from the from the coach after this year because he's not on a quarter of a billion dollar contract. But uh, yeah, it's a mess in New England. They'll win one more game, probably against Arizona, and that'll be it. Seven and ten football team. As for the Buffalo Bills, let me get a drink of water for this because I darn near dehydrated myself talking about the Patriots. As for the Buffalo Bills, again, Josh Allen, uh, for you know, for a guy who obviously uh, threw for a little over 200 yards, threw for a couple touchdown passes, uh, played very well. Again, he had a QBR of 0 to 100 of 90. So in the passes he did throw, he actually did get, he was great. Had a pass rating of 100. But there was something I saw from the Buffalo Bills last night. And it wasn't like extraordinary. But it was something I'm like, okay, wait a minute. If they can continue to do this, they they absolutely can beat Kansas City. And that is, for the first time seemingly all season, they developed a running game. They developed a running game. They ran for 138 yards as a team. Sorry, 132 yards as a team. And they did it by committee. Again, Josh Allen obviously ran for eight times for 20 yards. He wasn't as much of a factor as he normally is. But they didn't have to rely on Josh Allen to get those key yards. James Cook, who is Dalvin Cook's younger brother, played well. Okay, 14 carries, 64 yards, 4.6 yards a clip. That'll work. Devin Singletary, 13 for 51, a touchdown. That, that'll work if he's good down the red zone. They did it by committee. They, they don't have a star back. Okay, Singletary, Cook, Hines, those guys aren't stars. But to beat Kansas City, if you, if you want to look at a model how to do it, look at the Patriots back in the AFC title game in 2018 when they went to Arrowhead and beat Kansas City. Time of possession was like 40 to 20. 
Now, the game still went to overtime because Kansas City had the much better roster and coach. But when you have a quarterback who doesn't turn the ball over, Tom Brady, when you have a running game which is just gashing it right down their throats, when you're able to convert on third down, making those third downs easier because you have an effective running game, that's hard to stop. And you're keeping the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands as much as possible. And again, they did this the uh, late in the fourth quarter or early in the fourth quarter, which pretty much put the game away, made it 24-7. to They put together a drive, a drive, 15 plays, 94 yards. It took 8 minutes and 55 seconds off the clock. So you essentially took 15% of the game off the clock in one drive. You converted on third down. You, you imposed your will on the New England Patriots. As I always say about the game of football, it's a complicated game in terms of schematics. But in terms of the overall objective, it is very simple. Move another grown man against his will. That's what football is at the end of the day. And if you're able to do that, you're going to be highly successful. That's what the Bills did last night. Against a Patriots defense that has been down this year, but in some areas respectable. Okay, Matthew Judon is, is in, in the running with along, along with um, Micah Parsons and Nick Bosa to win the sack title. So he's been good. They have a corner, forgot his name, Jones, I think is his name. He's played well. And Buffalo just ran it down New England's throat. They converted on third down when they had to. Josh Allen was efficient all night, didn't turn the ball over. When you talk about the way to beat Kansas City, that's how you do it. The Bengals have the method to do it. They have Joe Mixon in the running game. They can hit explosive plays, but I don't know, to beat Kansas City, do you really want to have to win you know, 38 to 35 when you could win 27 to 20? Keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands for a long time. Possess the ball with Joe Mixon. Okay, get the short passing game with Hayden Hurst, with Tyler Boyd. And then when you have to, hit the big plays over the top with Jamar Chase and get it, get the ball to T. Higgins down in the red zone. Again, football's a very simple game. Not in terms of X's and O's and schematics, but moving a grown man against his will. That is exactly what the Buffaloes did, Buffalo Bills did all night long. And if they keep this up, yes, they are, they are back to being the number one threat to the Kansas City Chiefs. Tennessee could be because they have Derrick Henry and they have a good defense, but we don't trust Ryan Tannehill. Josh Allen, the biggest moments, has proven to be really good. Okay, We saw last year against Kansas City in the playoffs. It was remarkable. He has a winning playoff record. Very few quarterbacks playing today can say that. It's only guys like, obviously, Brady and Mahomes. Uh, Burrow can say that. It's not many. Roger, I get, can Rodgers say it? Yeah, I guess Rodgers can because he had that one run in 2010. Since then, he has a losing record of the postseason. But that is how, how, the, <laughs> excuse me, how the Bills beat the Patriots last night is exactly how they be, can beat Kansas City. Run the ball down their throats, keeping the ball out of the best player in the world's hands, converting on third down, not turning the ball over. Again, it sounds perfect in theory, but that's kind of how you got to do it because there's a very good chance Buffalo will have to go on the road to Kansas City to Arrowhead Stadium. And we know that place is darn near impossible to win. You got to have Tom Brady or you have Joe Burrow to win in the playoffs against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid at Arrowhead. Otherwise, you're pretty much screwed. Okay? That's how it works. But a good win for the Bills last night. Get to nine and three, and hey, you know, they're they're gonna be big Bengals fans over the weekend, okay? Because if the Bengals beat the Chiefs, 
Bills are right back to being the number one seed because both teams will be nine and three, but Buffalo will have the tiebreaker because they beat Kansas City head to head. So, like I said, good win for uh, good win for the Buffalo Bills. So, like I said, the World Cup has been wild. Again, our U.S. team plays tomorrow to start the round of sixteen uh, at ten a.m. ten a.m. Eastern on Fox. They play the Netherlands. Um. I guess I, I guess it would it be un-American for me to say that I'm not confident whatsoever in our, our chances. I, if you remember, I said we're we're gonna get out of group stage. Obviously, the draw against Wales was very disappointing, but we were able to get out of the the uh, the game versus England with a draw, and then we took care of business against Iran. Christian Pulisic did his did his thing, uh, quite literally took one for the team, but looks like he's gonna be ready to go. I think they said it was a a um, gosh, not a groin contusion. It was a Contusion is something, but according to him, he's going to be ready to go. According to his teammates, he's he's texted them saying, "Hey, I'm going to go on Saturday, so we'll see what happens." Let's go USA! I'm excited. But uh, we also have college football, and the big games start. We don't have to wait for tomorrow, folks. We don't have to sleep. We got a big game tonight that has all kinds of playoff implications: Utah and USC for the Pac-12 title game, and we also have other games tomorrow, Championship Saturday. Kansas State, TCU. Again, TCU loses. It'll partly depend on whether USC loses. But if TCU loses, they're out. Ohio State's in. Now, you want real chaos? Have USC and TCU lose. Then what do you do? I may have, I'm seriously, if that happens, I may do a live on Sunday morning. I, I don't know if I'll get somebody in here on the show to do the show with me. I may do a show. Sorry, I will do a show on Sunday morning. As the, as the playoff teams are announced, if both TCU and USC loses. And by the way, there's a very good, no, I would say a very good chance. There's a very realistic chance of that happening. USC is only a favorite by a field goal against Utah, who, by the way, beat them this year. And TCU is only a point and a half point favorite against Kansas State. If that happens, Ohio State's definitely in. What do you do with Alabama? Because if you guys remember, I said last week when Bama was ranked seventh, I said Bama's getting in the playoff. They're going to get some help ahead of them. It turned out, I thought, because Ohio State got destroyed at home in the second half by Michigan, I figured, hey, Bama doesn't have a loss that bad. Their losses come by combined four points to two great teams. Well, is not great. Tennessee, when healthy, is a great football team. They're seventh ranked in the country. Okay, my Vols. Go Vols. Hopefully we can beat Clemson in the Orange Bowl uh, should that come to pass, and it looks like it probably will. But the point being, that happens. I think my prediction has a very good chance of occurring where both Ohio State and Alabama get in. Telling you, the committee has an Alabama bias. We know that. If they're presented with the opportunity to get them in, they'll get in. Then you also obviously got LSU, Georgia. Of course, LSU did control their own destiny. You know, we thought, hey, two-loss team. Got a shot to get in the playoff. Okay? You, you already clinched the SEC West. If you could just take care of business against four and seven Texas A&M, but they couldn't even do that. So LSU's out of the mix, but they do play Georgia tomorrow for the SEC title game. Uh, obviously, obviously, Georgia's in the playoff. They've been dominant all year. They, they've already got a spot, you know, locked in. Uh if they were to lose, though, the only thing that would do for Georgia is just lower their seeding. Honestly, I'm not so sure. A part of it would depend on whether TCU loses or not because TCU is also undefeated. 
But worst case, Georgia would fall to three if they were to somehow lose against LSU. But I'll predict that. And then Purdue, Michigan. Purdue's not even ranked. And they're in the Big Big Ten Championship game against the second-ranked team in America, the Michigan Wolverines, who are, of course, flying high right now after a big win over the Ohio State Buckeyes. So sorry to fans of UCF and Tulane. I'm not predicting the American Athletic Conference Championship game. And I'm not predicting the ACC Championship game. Sorry, Clemson fans. Not sorry. Uh, I said your team was a fraud from the beginning, and they were. And North Carolina fans, which what happened to North Carolina, folks? I, Mac Brown, I love Mac Brown as a head coach. But what the heck happened to the Tar Heels to finish the regular season? That was bad. They have not been playing good football. So I, my gut tells me Clemson probably wins that game, and then they get an orange ball against my balls. But we'll see. I would like to draw Clemson. I'll tell you that much right now. Jalen Hyatt would go off. All right, though. Championship Saturday. Here we go. Time to predict the game. Starting with tonight. Got the intense music for this one because these are big, big games. The Utah Utes, the USC Trojans for the Pac-12 title game an hour and a half from now. This is a big one, folks. USC in this game is favored by a field goal, and that line sounds perfect to me. Neutral site, Las Vegas, uh, uh, Allegiant Stadium. (sighs) Feels perfect to me. USC, as we know... Handed USC the one blemish on their resume. With a one-point victory on a two-point conversion in Utah. We, here's what we know about the Utes. Cam Rising, their quarterback, has had a tremendous year. He's top 10 in QBR. And in terms of the Utah offense, they went off on the USC defense, putting up 562 yards. Went toe-to-toe with a guy who, to me, is the obvious Heisman Trophy winner, with all due respect to the other candidates. It is clearly uh, 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 it is clearly Caleb Williams. The job that Lincoln, Lincoln Riley has done with him, the job that he's done commanding this offense has been remarkable to watch. This feels like tonight a quarterback battle. Back and forth, up and down the field. Expect to see a lot of yards and a lot of points. Defense is going to be optional for this game. And we know USC can certainly get, to use the name of this show, carved up on the defensive end of the, of the football. But, and I have a bet writing on this game. I, I don't, I'm not saying I have rooting interests because my balls are not a part of championship weekend, even though I thought we would be for, for a second there. I'm not saying I have rooting interests. But it would be nice if I didn't have to lose a second bet in 2022. To my man, Barry Grant Jr., the host of the All Even Podcast. Shout out to Barry. He's a big USC fan. We bet that USC would make the playoff before the season. So I'm very nervous. Not saying I'm rooting for Utah. But all kidding aside, let's bring in some objectivity. While Cam Rising, this Utah offense, has been outstanding this year. They have a couple of shaky losses in the resume. Florida, folks, Florida went 6-6 this season. Utah wasn't able to beat them when they had a big drive down the field on the goal line. Cam Rising threw a big pick. I don't trust Utah late in games the way I trust USC. Again, keep in mind, folks, Utah doesn't get that two-point conversion. USC's the third-ranked team in the country right now. Without a question, they're undefeated. They're going to be in the college football playoff simply if Utah does not get a simple two-point conversion to win the game. I think it's close. However, I trust Caleb Williams to make another big play like he's been doing all season long. And the USC Trojans will be your Pac-12 champions. 
incredibly, after a 4-8 and eight season last year. Firing Clay Hilton after a tumultuous tenure there. Bringing in Lincoln Riley from the University of Oklahoma. The fact that Oklahoma fans had the audacity to say that they would not miss this man. Sure about that? Sure about that, Boomer Sooner? I don't know. USC wins this game 41-38 to over the Utah Utes to advance to win the Pac-12 title game, but also, more importantly, to advance and secure a spot in the college football playoff. I think this could be a very exciting game tonight. I really like USC, by the way, so I don't want to make it sound like I'm rooting against them. I'm rooting, I'm rooting for myself, okay? Not having to lose this bet to Barry. And you'll see what, what the loser of the bet has to do very soon. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Next one, though. Tomorrow, noon Eastern on ABC. Kansas State, TCU, a battle of top tens. Okay, <clears throat> Kansas State finished the season strong, a 9-3 record. We know they could put up a lot of points. Okay, they did so on teams like Oklahoma, West Virginia, Kansas. Kansas State score a lot. They can drop 40 on you in the blink of an eye. Okay, they, they got a tremendous running game. Um, but for TCU, obviously. And I've been very shaky on TCU all season long. I think I think most people have. Because we look at them, we say, okay, just an eye test. This team cannot beat Georgia. They, this team cannot beat Michigan. I think most people would favor USC. I don't think this team with a healthy Hendon Hooker could beat my Tennessee Volunteers. This team cannot beat Alabama or Ohio State. Max Duggan, though, in my view, is a Heisman Trophy finalist. Sonny Dykes will be in the will be in the, in the running along with Lincoln Riley, Josh Heupel, and company for Coach of the Year. He's done a remarkable job in year one with these TCU Horned Frogs. But doesn't it feel like TCU has been living on borrowed time a little bit? Only scored 17 on Texas. They survived at the literally at the gun against Baylor. Okay, they uh, they needed to come back to beat Texas Tech and West Virginia. They needed a second half comeback to beat the same Kansas State, the same Kansas State team. I have a feeling that this game is yet another close one for TCU. But I think Max Duggan makes one mistake at the end. Kansas State capitalizes, and they shake up the playoff big time. Give me Kansas State to win the Big 12 title game over TCU. 34-30. TCU again, only a point-and-a-half point favorite. How many times, folks... The third-ranked team in the country is only a point-and-a-half favorite in their conference title game. That, folks, should tell you everything you need to know. Listen, the wide receiver for TCU, I forgot his name, is going to be a first-round NFL receiver. He's remarkable. Again, Max Duggan, to me, has earned the right to go to New York City as a Heisman Trophy finalist. This episode is brought to you by Paycor. Paycor empowers leaders to build winning teams. With Paycor, leaders can recruit, onboard and train employees, set goals, and drive performance. If you're a leader, everyone depends on you. Who do leaders depend on? Paycor. Learn more at paycor.com leaders. But I just have a feeling, getting a second look at him, getting Kansas State lost 38-28 against TCU earlier this season. 
Get a second look at, look at them. Get some film on them. Make adjustments. They will win the Big 12 title game. And TCU's playoff hopes will be in some serious jeopardy. Moving on now to a game we thought would have big playoff implications on both sides. Now it's just for one. LSU, Georgia for the SEC title game at 4 Eastern on CBS. Georgia, no surprise here, is a massive favorite in this game. Minus 17 and a half over the Tigers. Obviously, LSU this season uh, had a very impressive resume. Right? Their losses come on a missed extra point, which I actually remember talking about on the show back in September, on a, a blocked extra point, I should say, against Florida State, who, by the way, has have had a great year by, the, by, the, by their standards, the way they've been playing the last few years. Florida State was great this season, okay? And they got smoked at home by my Vols. But they rebounded, okay? They beat Alabama on a two-point conversion to win it. They dominated Ole Miss, which, you know, Ole Miss at the time, you got to remember, was seventh ranked, okay? They took care of business against teams like Arkansas and UAB, but then they ran into 4-7 and seven Texas A&M. And Texas A&M said, you know what? We had college football playoffs hopes coming into the season, being the fifth-ranked team in the country in the preseason. We know for sure we're not even making it to a bowl game. So we're going to ruin your season too. And they did just that in dominant fashion against LSU last week. However, I will say this. Okay. Brian Kelly, year one at LSU. I knew he'd be a great hire for the Tigers because now he gets SEC talent as opposed to Notre Dame talent. I knew he'd do a great job. I did not see SEC championship game year one, however. But the Cinderella ride. Jaden Daniels, great season for him. But the Cinderella ride comes to an end in dominant fashion. Georgia wins big. They strike early. They don't look back. 41-17. to 17. Again, you guys know I'm not high at all on Stetson Bennett. Uh, I, I, I don't know of a single NFL scout who thinks of him as an NFL talent. But in terms of the running game with McIntosh, the passing game with Brock Bowers, and that defense, which is once again, second straight year, Easily the best in college football in terms of points per game. They've allowed the fewest touchdowns in the country. Georgia wins dominant, for, dominantly, I should say, 41-17. to 17. And to the Big Ten title game, it's Purdue and it's Michigan. Uh, Michigan, like Georgia, is a massive favorite over uh, the underdog Boilermakers. 16.5, minus 16.5. That game, by the way, kicks off at 8 Eastern on Fox. Here's the thing for Michigan. Uh, the one question I had about the Wolverines going into last week when I picked them to lose to Ohio State, the one thing was I trust C.J. Stroud a lot more than I trust J.J. McCarthy. I think Jim Harbaugh is a better coach than Ryan Day, who, by the way, Ohio State fans, y'all sound darn near delusional on Ryan Day. Get off this man's back. He's a heck of a coach. Just because he's not Urban Meyer doesn't mean he's not a, a good coach. As for Michigan, though, I doubted that J.J. McCarthy could put them in position in the passing game to go toe-to-toe with Ohio State concerning that explosive offense they had there to make the throws on third down, to push the ball down the field consistently and accurately. I stand corrected. I was wrong. He vastly and undeniably outplayed C.J. Stroud, who very well is going to be a Heisman finalist. So props to J.J. McCarthy. But this running game, it's remarkable with with this, this Michigan team. Blake Corum goes down. A guy who was possibly, until, you know, Caleb Williams played the way he did against Notre Dame, possibly the Heisman front runner. But he gets hurt last week, a couple weeks ago, against Illinois. 
And in steps is the, what was his name? Edwards, I think is his name. Steps in and goes crazy on Ohio State. I want to get his name right because I don't, I don't want to. I want to give that man the respect he deserves. Because by the way, he had a great post game interview, which I love. Yeah, uh, uh, Donovan Edwards, who's a sophomore, ran for two sixteen and nine point eight yards a carry against Ohio State with two tutties. Expect more of the same from Michigan. They'll take care of Purdue, who, by the way, has a very limited offense. Uh, sorry to boil or make your fans. Drew Brees isn't walking uh, through that door anytime soon. Uh, Michigan wins this game quite easily, 38-14, to 14, uh, to win the Big Ten title game and obviously to clinch their spot in the college football playoffs. So, let's stop the music for a moment. Let's, put my, let's see, get myself back on the screen here. Hang on. All right, there we go. So, should... These games play out the way that I think they're going to play out. Michigan, Georgia, and USC all win. Obviously, all three in the playoff. I think Georgia and Michigan's in the playoff to begin with. Their, their resume speaks for itself. They're in whether they win or lose. But what happens if TCU loses, which I think they will? Then what happens? It'll be a debate between. TCU, Ohio State, and Alabama. Now, we have to take Alabama out, unfortunately. Now, it, now listen, if USC and TCU both lose, Alabama still has a shot. But the committee made a statement last week by putting Ohio State, despite getting destroyed at home by Michigan. Again, at home. want to emphasize that. Bama never lost at home. By putting Ohio State ahead of Alabama, they essentially said, if something happens, Ohio State's going to get in. Because obviously, neither Ohio State or Alabama plays this weekend. So they were essentially saying, up front, being blunt and honest, saying, if something happens, we think Ohio State is a better football team and is, 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 has been more consistent in their play than Alabama has. So, should this happen, folks? And I'll read it off of the podcast audience. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is what the college football playoff will look like. Again, if the results come to pass, as I think they will, with Georgia, Michigan, and USC all winning their conference title games and TCU losing, this is what will look like. Georgia and Michigan stay at one and two. No surprise there. USC will obviously move up to three. And the Ohio State Buckeyes will make the college football playoff. You're telling me, despite, look, Obviously, a blowout loss against Michigan looks really bad. And again, if it were me, I'd rather have Alabama in than Ohio State because I think they match up better physically with Georgia. Which, by the way, you see down there, Alabama's five, TCU falls all the way to six in my view. Ohio State gets in <clears throat> over TCU. You say, well, TCU made the conference championship game. Yeah, they played a lot of close games with below average Big 12 teams. And we know about the Big 12 this year, folks. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's probably been the second worst or worst conference of the Power Five. SEC is obviously the best. Pac-12 is obviously second best. But we talk about the ACC. I get the ACC has no playoff contenders, but Clemson's top 10. Florida State is making a strong case to possibly be in the top 10. ACC has some good football teams. UNC's in the top 25 and in the ACC title game. This is what it's going to look like. Ohio State's resume compared to TCU's, not even close. Ohio State's best win is on the road against a team that is currently eighth ranked in the country. 
in Penn State. They went to Happy Valley and won. TCU's best win is Texas. I mean, Texas is good. Gonna probably get a, a decent bowl game, but Penn State, Texas. You tell me who's better. What's the more impressive win? So this is what's going to look like if the results come to pass, as I think they will. Obviously, I'm rooting for USC loss, not because I dislike USC. I have great respect for USC and Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. But I'm just telling you right now, if the results come to pass, as I think they will, this is what the top six will look like. Uh, four teams, obviously, most importantly, because it's a 14 playoff. That'll change to 12 in 2024. Georgia, Michigan, USC, Ohio State. And then the first two teams out will be Alabama and TCU. There you go. And it all starts tonight. We don't have to wait till tomorrow. All the drama starts tonight. And then by the second game, the, well, yeah, the second conference title game, by the time that one's over, we'll have a much, much clearer picture as to who's in the playoff. Georgia and Michigan are the only teams today that are guaranteed win or lose to get in. No question about it. Because the resumes, because of what they put on the field on a consistent basis, that they'll be in. No question. Three and four, up for grabs for, to me, three through six. Alabama, yes, Alabama is still alive. If, T if USC wins tonight, Bama's playoff hopes shut. If TCU wins tomorrow, Ohio State's playoff hopes shut. And then we'll pretty much know exactly what order. It'll pretty much say exactly the same as it did this weekend. But as Reese Davis always says, the great Reese Davis on ESPN, it always plays itself out. By the way, the Pac-12 title game, before I get to my NFL prediction, I just want to say this. The Pac-12 title game, it's a very full, it's, it's a big full circle moment from 2019. Because in 2019, USC was, either they were ranked fourth or fifth in the playoff poll. So had, or not USC, I say USC, Utah. Yeah, Utah was ranked fourth or fifth in the playoff poll. Had Utah won, they, do, they would have gotten in the college football playoff. But here comes Oregon with Justin Herbert. They beat Utah. Utah's out. Jalen Hurts leads Oklahoma to a Big 12 title against Baylor. Oklahoma gets in. Now, you know, we know what happened once Oklahoma got in when they faced Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Was it Jefferson that had like five touchdowns in the first half? Burrow had like seven touchdowns in the first half? I mean, Oklahoma had a historically bad defense. LSU had his, a, a historically unstoppable offense. I mean, you, it wasn't like Utah was going to put up a better fight than Oklahoma was because that's I still hold true that, that that LSU team in 2019 is the greatest college football team of all time. But, now again, the only team three through six that I think can beat, or at least I wouldn't say can beat Georgia. I think Michigan's the only team that can beat Georgia, like has a realistic shot. But that would at least give a prayer's chance to is Alabama. If Ohio State got beat up by Michigan, who has a just ever so slightly worse defense than Georgia, what are they going to do against Georgia? That was at home for Ohio State. Okay. Alabama physically, with those athletes and with Nick Saban, I'd, I'd obviously pick Georgia, but I give Alabama a shot. I give Alabama a shot. I'll just say that much. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card. It gives you unlimited daily cash back that can earn 4.15% annual percentage yield when you open a savings account. A high-yield, low-effort way to grow your money with no fees. 
Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone to start earning and growing your daily cash with savings today. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings is available to Apple Card owners subject to eligibility. Savings accounts by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Like I said, it's 6.50 Eastern right now. Live on Facebook, live YouTube, Twitter. Uh, game tips off in a little more of an hour. Best believe I'll be in front of my TV watching to see what goes down. It's going to be fun. By the way, even in the NBA, we got good matchups. I mean, tonight, Giannis versus LeBron. We only get two of those a year. Possibly one if, if, if you know, LeBron's obviously been dealing with injuries as he gets up there in age. So, you know, enjoy this while we have it. Second best player in the world, Giannis, against the fifth or sixth best player in the world, LeBron. Yeah, you take those matchups. It's going to be fun. And then my Warriors obviously take on the Bulls uh, at 10. Hopefully we can get it up there. All right. Now to the NFL, now to the king of television, to a, a league that just recently, eight days ago, had its highest rated regular season game of all time, that being Cowboys-Giants. So the NFL is in as good of a place as ever in terms of popularity. You saw those crowds in Georgia, Georgia, Germany, in, uh, in, in London every year, in Mexico City. The NFL is literally becoming an international sport. It really is. And think, not one team is even outside the U.S. We don't have a team in Canada. We don't have a team in Mexico. I know Goodell suggested London. I, I don't think that'd be the greatest idea in terms of travel. But uh, this could be interesting. I'm looking forward to, to seeing how it goes. Uh, I will say this before I get my predictions, though. Let me. Adam Schefter just tweeted this a few minutes ago because it's worth mentioning. Uh, players that are out on Sunday include Kadarius Toney. Mike Williams, Corey Lindsley, Elijah Mitchell, Aaron Donald, Matthew Stafford, Danico Autry, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Robert Quinn, David Njoku, Brandon Cooks, Derek Stingley Jr., and Chris, uh, Christian Derisaw, David Bakhtiari, and Jaquan Brister. I saw Bakhtiari had a appendectomy today, which sounds very painful. Joe Burrow had one before the season, so certainly wish the best to, uh, to Bakhtiari and, of course, all the other injured players as well. Week 13 in the NFL. Y'all know what time it is. Let's get it going right now. So, we're going to start with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Atlanta Falcons. In this game, Pittsburgh is favored by a point. It's gone back and forth, up and down between those two teams. Okay, in terms of a line, you see a lot. There's a lot of games this week where there's a one-point favorite. Pittsburgh, a one-point uh, favorite on the road. Again, for Atlanta, this is a little bit of an elimination game. If you fall to eight losses, considering you got to face Brady later this season, we know Tom Brady has never lost to Atlanta in his career. Is he 10-0, 11-0? Something like that. But he's never lost to Atlanta in his career, famously. Okay, but you got Pittsburgh coming in. So Pittsburgh, a little bit of a short week coming off of a big road win against the Indianapolis Colts. Kenny Pickett was fine. George Pickens was, per usual, phenomenal. And Mike Tomlin did a remarkable coaching job, although he was facing Jeff Saturday. So I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to act like Mike Tomlin beat Andy Reid or something. But they did win the game, and Pittsburgh's now trying to build their first winning streak of the entire season. So Kenny Pickett comes in, three touchdowns, eight picks. You know, numbers do not blow you away, but he's shown you flashes. He's, he's shown you he has improved from when he entered the game against the New York Jets compared to now coming off that game against the Colts. He has improved. He looks more comfortable. Uh, he, his teammates respond to him well. Kenny Pickett has played decent football by his standards, by the Steelers' offense standards over the last month. So they're going into Atlanta for a Falcons team that is struggling right now. 
that just lost to the Commanders, a Falcons offense that, by the way, just lost Kyle Pitts for the season, only scored 13 points against a Chase Young-less Washington defense. I get there at home. I understand that. But it's Mike Tomlin. I'm going to roll with Mike Tomlin. I'm going to roll with the Pittsburgh Steelers defense led by TJ Watt. I think they hold Atlanta's offense in check. I think it's fairly close, but I think the Steelers ultimately get it done in the end. 23-20. to And again, it's a one-point spread. Very good chance that it could change to Atlanta minus one by kickoff. This is about what's going to be. One of these teams are going to be favorable minus uh, one because they're about as evenly matched as it gets. Give me the Steelers to win this game 23-20 to over the Atlanta Falcons. We've got a divisional matchup, but it's between two teams that are pretty much eliminated. It's the Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers against the Chicago Bears with Justin Fields. So at least we're going to get exciting quarterback play. I suggested again a week ago, Aaron's hurt. He's dealing with a thumb injury. Now he's dealing with a rib issue. You're out of the playoffs. Go with Jordan Love. Okay, look good. Darius Slay in his podcast, by the way, cornerback for the Eagles, was talking about facing Jordan Love, and he was like, he looked comfortable. He he had the poise. He was throwing the ball with confidence. A lot of the things that, that I was talking about on Monday, part of the reason I'd say starting the rest of the year. You're out of the playoffs. See what the kids got and make your decision on the quarterback situation after the year, depending on his play, and trade Aaron Rodgers and get a, a haul, get some draft picks, fire Matt LaFleur, go into a rebuild. That easy that easy. Here's what we do know. A, that the Packers are favored by a field goal on the road. B, Chicago's defense has been awful ever since they traded Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith. Awful. Since those two trades, okay, they've given up 35 to Miami, 31 to Detroit, 27 to Atlanta, 31 to the Jets. Now, some of those offenses aren't known for being explosive. The Jets, obviously, with Mike White, upgrade over Zach Wilson, but not 31 points upgrade, okay? Uh, D- Detroit's obviously explosive offense. Atlanta, 27. I mean, come on now. So Chicago's defense is struggling. Christian Watson seems to be finding a little bit more of a rhythm. We know the kick can fly. It, it was really a confidence issue with him the first half of the season, just catching the simple passes. It feel, feels like that first drop against Minnesota kind of got into his head for a while. He snapped out of, out of it against Dallas. He played well against Tennessee. And then he played well against uh, uh, last week against the Philadelphia Eagles. Had that long touchdown that got the Packers back in the game for the moment. So the Packers, relying on Aaron Jones, relying on A.J. Dillon. Aaron Rodgers is going to play. And what do we know about Aaron Rodgers? He is not Jerry Jones. He is Aaron Rodgers, the primary owner of the Dallas Cowboys. And he is a co-owner of the Chicago Bears. So I'm rolling with the Packers. Give me Green Bay to win this game. Not to cover, though. Expect a lot of points because both these defenses have struggled badly especially to stop the run. We know Chicago can run it down your throat, but I trust Aaron Rodgers <clears throat> simply because he does own the Chicago Bears. Give me the Packers 31-29 to over Chicago. <clears throat> got a couple of comments here. Excuse me, I got a little cough. Uh, from Grady Edwards, he asked, is Rodgers done or is it just an off year? Uh, I think it's off year. I, I don't think Rodgers is washed per se as say a Matt Ryan or a Russell Wilson. Like those guys just look completely incapable of doing anything out there. Aaron Rodgers has at least shown you flashes. Uh, against Dallas, against Chicago earlier this year. He had a decent game against the Giants and the Patriots. So we've seen flashes from Aaron Rodgers um, that we have not seen from Russ or Matt Ryan. So I think the injuries are playing a factor. I think definitely the thumb injury is playing a factor in his accuracy. 
Again, I still I still see for Green Bay the best thing for them is to commit to a rebuild, have a direction moving forward. This is not a title contending team, and give Aaron Rodgers for you know the service that he gave to the Packers for many years, won them a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl MVP and a lot of regular season MVPs. Put him in a position where he can succeed next year, and I think he'll be back. You know, in that discussion as a top five quarterback in the league. I, I don't think he's done though. Declining maybe, but done. I I, I highly doubt that. It is now time for Bryson's Bleak Bet. It is the one game every week that I have absolutely no confidence in, in betting, or picking, I should say. But, gotta pick it. Jacksonville Jaguars, Detroit Lions. Detroit in this game is favored at minus one, which feels appropriate. Again, like I told you earlier, we got a lot of games where a, a team is only a point favorite. We're talking about Pittsburgh's favored by a point. Detroit at home against Jacksonville, favored by a point. Here's what I'm looking at with this game. I'm sorry, I'm, my bad. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jaguars are favored by a point. Obviously, Jacksonville coming in off an emotional, exciting home win on that two-point conversion on the best drive of Trevor Lawrence's pro career to this point against a great Baltimore Ravens team. For Jacksonville, they're going into Detroit. Now, the Lions obviously lost in heartbreaking fashion on a walk-off field goal against the Buffalo Bills at home on Thanksgiving, but they get a few extra dates to prepare Again, Jacksonville, it's a very young team. It's not like a veteran team who's coming off a close win, but they understand the mistakes they made for that game to be close, and they adjust. It's a young football team. Trevor Lawrence, as many young quarterbacks do, has peaks and valleys. I expect him to play well in this game against a Lions defense that is not very good. But this is a Lions offense against a a defense in Buffalo that's better than Jacksonville's that went up and down the field. Amonra St. Brown has been arguably the, arguably the most underrated underrated receiver in football this year. Jared Goff has played well. They've run the ball well with Swift and Williams. Jamal Williams. So I'm going to take the Detroit Lions. Not confident in all, at all. Remember I said about the Jags. They lose a lot of close games this year. And they'd win some close games this year. Play some tight ones because they're a young, talented football team. But I think Detroit wins this one 28-24. Again, it's Bryce's bleak bet, so I'm not confident in this pick whatsoever. Two, four, and seven teams. But give me the Lions to win this one 28-24 over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's go to one of the more interesting ones. Now, I can't wait to watch this. New York Jets, Minnesota Vikings. Vikings at home are favored by a field goal, which means Vegas is saying these two teams are evenly matched. Vikings favored by a field goal. Here's what I'm looking at. It's Mike White's second start this season. Obviously, it's sort of the argument I made earlier for Bailey Zappi over Mac Jones. Mike White's best start this season. Mike's, Mike White's one start this season is he, he was much more productive than Zach Wilson was in any of his starts this season. And even last season, you could argue. So for Mike White, Vikings defense gets film on him. They get a few extra days to prepare. I understand that. I expect Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson to per, to per usual go off. Here's to me the difference maker and why I'm a little hesitant on Minnesota. You guys know I love Minnesota. Said they win the division before the season going away. They're going to do that. Heck, if they win tomorrow or on Sunday, they're going to do that. But when you have a Jets team coming in, playing great defense, force some turnovers on Kirk Cousins. We know he's prone to make those. He had a throw against the Patriots 10 days ago that was really bad. It was a what-were-you-thinking type interception. If he gives you a couple of those, with the way that this Jets defensive line can get to the quarterback, the difference to me is the Vikings defense, particularly their pass defense, is horrible. You saw Mac Jones last night. 
Yeah, that same Mac Jones against the Minnesota Vikings threw for nearly 400 yards, had an amazing QBR and passer rating. That's how bad that defense is. That made Mac Jones look like a, a, a franchise quarterback. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I expect Mike White not to play as well as he did against the Bears. Because, again, they did Leslie Frazier. Not Leslie Frazier. I was thinking about him being the head coach of the Vikings years ago. Vikings defensive coordinator gets more film on him. Like he does make a, maybe a couple mistakes. But I'm going to take the Jets to win this game comfortably because of the fact that Minnesota cannot stop the pass. I think Kirk Cousins is going to turn the ball over. 31-14. to 14. Jets win this one over Minnesota. 31-14. to 14, uh, And get to 8-4. and four, Which would be a huge win for them. All right, moving on to a divisional matchup between two playoff-caliber teams. The Washington Commanders and the New York Giants. Washington in this game is favored minus two on the road. This is another situation where you got a team that played on Thanksgiving in the Giants, getting extra time to prepare. Brian Dable, we understand that. And you got Washington coming in without Chase Young, it looks like. And Antonio Gibson is iffy on whether or not he'll play. But here's what I'm looking at. It's kind of the reason I, the same reason I picked the Cowboys to beat the Giants comfortably, by the way, on Thanksgiving Day. Because I figured they'd take Saquon Barkley away because, you know, Saquon Barkley at times against the Cowboys has struggled. And Daniel Jones will make mistakes. For Washington, they are tremendous against the run. So I expect them to say 26 for the Giants is not beating us. If number eight for the Giants beats us, with that highly limited receiving core, we go to midfield after the game, we shake his hand, and we say, good game, Daniel Jones. But Ron Rivera, being the defensive mastermind he is, he is not going to let that happen. Taylor Heideke's been playing turnover-free football. I think he st- will still get help in the running game with uh, that Robinson kid with an offensive line that's played so much better than it did the first month of the season. Terry McLaurin plays well against a beat-up Giants secondary. Washington wins this game and covers the two-point spread 27-21 to over the New York Giants. It will be three straight losses for the Giants, and they'll have some serious concerns in terms of whether or not that they could get to the playoffs as a wildcard team in the NFC. Washington wins over the New York Giants 27-21. to It is now time for my upset of the week. Give me the Tennessee Titans to beat the Philadelphia Eagles 30-27 to in the city of brotherly love. And here is why. Expect this again to be a little bit of a high-scoring game. Philadelphia, we know. They are, you know, here's what I'll give the Philadelphia Eagles offensively. They're the most explosive offense in the NFL that is led by the run game. Whether it be Jalen Hurts, who ran all over the Green Bay Packers last week, whether it be Miles Sanders, whoever they got. We obviously know they got deep threats down the field, whether it be A.J. Brown, whether it be Quez Watkins, or whether it be Devontae Smith. They got plenty of deep threats. I feel like if Tennessee is able to jump, we've seen this movie many times with the Tennessee Titans in their playoff wins. Jump out to a lead, 
Derrick Henry does his thing. Ryan Tannehill making safe throws. Traylon Burks and company in that receiving core. It's not great, but it's perfectly suited for a, a quarterback in Ryan Tannehill who's not exactly known to be a down-the-field type of passer. You stick with Derrick Henry against an Eagles defense that is bad, bad, bad against the run game. In the last few games that they've played, ever since the Houston game, so we talked, again, the Texas game is where I started to, so where my eyebrows raised a little bit, like, uh, we found the Eagles' weakness. We found what will get them beat in the playoffs. Houston rushed for a buck 68 on them, okay? Washington rushed for a buck 52 on them. The Indianapolis Colts, coached by Jeff Saturday, ran for 99 against them, but still almost a 100-yard game. And then the Packers last week with that running back tandem ran for a buck 07 against them. Philly can't stop the run. And when you have the best running back in football with the Tennessee Titans, that's a problem. Philadelphia is a four and a half point favorite. I feel like if the Eagles trail, they'll do exactly what they did against Washington and start to press a little bit. Nick Sirianni, offensive coordinator for uh, Nick Sirianni and the offensive coordinator for the Eagles, going to look to take big shots down the field, take big risks. And that Tennessee secondary has been really good this season. And the pass rush also has, has been successful this year. Again, they held the Cincinnati Bengals to 20. That's a good defense. Eagles will still get theirs. But I think they'll have to play from behind from start to finish. And it won't be enough. Give me the Tennessee Titans in the upset of the week to beat the Philadelphia Eagles 30-27. to 27. Again, we know what Philadelphia's biggest flaw is. I believe whether they get a first-round bye or not, whether they beat the Cowboys for the East or not, it will get them beat in the playoffs immediately. One and done. And again, like I keep saying, if you guys think I'm crazy for saying that, just remember a year ago around this time, I said the Packers will be one and done. That's exactly what happened. Moving on now. What do we got next? Oh! (laughs) The Let's Ride Broncos taking on... The Baltimore Ravens. Before we get into that, we got a couple of comments here. Uh, <laughs> Grady Edwards not showing any love, uh, lo- not showing any uh, love for Lovey or lo- love for love. I guess is what he's talking about. Talking about uh, no love for Lovey. Gosh, it's confusing. Dang man, hating on, <laughs> hating on the Texans. I haven't got to the Texans yet. I haven't got to the Texans. Okay, I'll save that for later. Okay, that's an interesting game just because of the headlines surrounding that one, which I'll get to later. Actually, in the next game. But for this game, the Let's Ride Denver Broncos, who have have more drama than any three-win team that I can remember by this point in the season, taking on the Baltimore Ravens, who have the crazy one of the craziest stats in the NFL this season. Because they're seven and four, right? All four of their losses, all four of their losses, they led by double digits at one point. So this has been the theme for the Ravens this season. We all remember, obviously, back in week two, the Miami game. We remember the Giants game. Last week against Jacksonville, this team struggles to close out games. So coming in pissed off after the way they lost to Jacksonville. We know Lamar Jackson, the situation on Twitter, responding to the fan. He crossed the line a little bit, although I do get why Lamar was frustrated uh, coming off of that loss. Pressure on him in regards to winning uh, in, in, you know, in even more in large part in getting a new contract this offseason. Big, big pressure, obviously, on Lamar Jackson. There's no question he feels it. You guys know I'm a big Lamar fan. Ravens are nine and a half point favorites. What do we know about the Broncos' offense? Well, they're the worst in the NFL. Just for context on how bad Russell Wilson's been this season. You ready for this? So all 32 teams played in the NFL last week, in week 12. 
Russell Wilson. Again, 32 teams in the NFL. Russell Wilson was the 33rd ranked quarterback. There's 32 teams, folks. So that means somebody's backup had a higher passer rating than one Russell Wilson. That's how bad he was. So Russell Wilson's been playing the worst football of his career. That's not a shock to anybody. Nathaniel Hackett's going to be gone by season's end. Uh, this is a Broncos offense that is last in the NFL in scoring. And frustratingly, if you are a Broncos fan, it's a Broncos defense that has been great this season. But there's going to be only so much they can do. Russell's not going to be able to move the ball down the field once again. The Ravens are going to win the field position battle, run it down Denver's throats. Lamar Jackson will be looking to make a statement. And against this defense, you can make a statement. Give me the Ravens to win this game and cover the 9.5-point spread, 32-16 to 16 over the Denver Broncos. Like I said, Denver uh, is kind of notorious for not even getting out of the teens in terms of scoring. That'll continue once again this week against a very good Ravens defense. Baltimore wins 32-16 to 16 over uh, the Denver Broncos. Broncos country, let's cry. Let's see, uh, Grady Edwards, any thoughts on Russ getting yelled at on the sideline? I talked about it Monday, but I will sort of reiterate my thoughts. What that situation said to me was a couple of things. Number one, how often do you see defensive linemen yelling at quarterbacks? Notably yelling at a quarterback who's making well over $40 million per season. Who's got the biggest cap hit in the NFL. That don't happen much. But the fact that Russell Wilson... Barely even responded to the guy. Barely even responded. It was basically like, yeah, okay, okay, what? It's like he's trying to stay in a character. Trying to be the same. Optimistic. Let's ride. That same guy, right? And so that, that was a bad look. And secondly, this is a Broncos locker room that is flat out broken. Because of the head coach and because of the quarterback. And it's like what I talk about the Patriots. When your head coach isn't performing up to par... When your quarterback really isn't performing up to par, not even close, that locker room will turn on you in the blink of an eye. And that's exactly what's happened in Denver. And that was just that was just an outward showing of it. And again, we all we know of all the stories that have come out of Denver uh, regarding Russ. But now this one about the birthday party thing, it's bad. It, it's just bad. This next one, though. Very serious headlines surrounding this game. The Cleveland Browns, the Houston Texans. Most notably, of course, Deshaun Watson will be back after his 11-game suspension uh, in a, at Houston of all places. So the Browns in this game on the road are favored by seven. Seems like a good line to me considering the fact that they got a big win last week at home against the favored Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Nick Chubb did his thing, ran for the game-winning touchdown. Jacoby Brissett made all the plays he needed to down the stretch. So did Amari Cooper. And so you're facing a Texas team, which obviously is the worst team in football one win on the season against the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's all they got. One win, nine losses, one tie. They're terrible. You know, they're going to be in line to get a C.J. Stroud or somebody in the draft. For, for Deshaun Watson, what do we expect from him? Well, by Sunday, it will have been 700 days since his last NFL regular season game. So Russ is going to come into play. I'm sure he's been training in the last two and a half months off of his suspension. You know, the preseason obviously helped him, I'm sure in regards to getting uh, acclimated with the offense, getting comfortable with the guys he has. Again, David Njoku out for this game, so sort of that safety blanket is gone. Does he have a report? Their number one receiver, Amari Cooper, we don't know. But it's a really good Browns offensive line. Again, if there, if there were ever a game for Deshaun Watts to come back to, this is the game. 
Now, you prefer if you're Deshaun for it be, to be in Cleveland as opposed to at Houston, your old stomping grounds, especially with reportedly some of his accusers are going to be in, in attendance. So there's all these storylines going on. I think Deshaun starts out rusty. I do think, though, he starts to find his footing around mid to late third quarter. Browns are going to rely heavily on the run, in part because Deshaun is uh, sort of, you know, trying to work his way back. I think the Browns will win this game by exactly what they're favored by, seven. Cleveland wins 24-17 to over the worst team in football, the Houston Texans. Got a comment here from Grady. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, Grady says Russell Wilson acts like he's had a uh, uh, lab, what's that, lab, labo, lobotomy, lobotomy sometimes, I don't know, yeah, unless he says, uh, let's be honest, Deshaun Watson won't look good this season, playing wise, he gets a total pass this season, that's fair, that's fair, and and he says, and I dislike him, I don't really know who doesn't dislike Deshaun Watson, how he's handling the media, I mean, it's, it's either... Deshaun is an idiot with how he handles the media or needs to fire his PR people. One of the two or both. It's been a disaster. But going back to your, your previous comment, Grady, Deshaun won't look good this season. Uh, playing wise, he gets a total pass. I No, I agree. I do agree with that statement. It's, uh, again, he hasn't played in 700 days. He gets a six-game sample size. Is there a chance that Cleveland next week, I think the Browns play the Bengals next week, so good chance they'll be trailing in that game. They'll need Deshaun to sort of uh, go back to being the old Deshaun in terms of that guy who's a top five level quarterback to go against Joe Burrow. Will they? Will he press a little bit? I agree. It's this is a six game sample size to work into next year. Build a rapport with the receivers. Get acclimated to the system. The co- <clears throat> excuse me, the coaching staff, Nick Chubb, the offensive line. That's what this is about. Because the Browns, by the way, are out of the playoff mix. They're they're not going to get in. They're four and seven. They're not getting in. But I do think they will win this game over Houston, twenty four to seventeen. Moving on to a divisional matchup. If you had ever ever told me that these two teams would be playing in week 13, one would be six and five, the other would be three and eight, I would have assumed that the records would be reversed, but they are not. The Seattle Seahawks are six and five, and the Los Angeles Rams are three and eight. Seattle, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Seattle in this game <clears throat> is favored minus seven. <clears throat> Let me get a drink of water. <clears throat> ah, gotta clear my throat there. Seattle in this game is basically favored by a touchdown over the Los Angeles Rams. Here's what I will tell you. John Wofford is going to start this game for the Los Angeles Rams. Matthew Stafford is reportedly out of concussion protocol. Deshaun McVay said he's not going to play. There's no point in putting him out there, risking it. Uh, At this point, if you're the Rams, just shut down Matthew Stafford for the season. Once Cooper Cup gets off of IR, either keep him there or shut him down for the season. Aaron Donald is also out this weekend. Shut him down for the season. No point whatsoever. In your your three most important players and you winning the Super Bowl last season and you jeopardizing them in terms of their health for next season when you'll try to regroup, regather, understand what your goal is for next season. That's obviously with the talent that they have to try and win another Super Bowl. Seattle, though, coming off a heartbreaking loss at home against the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, mostly at the hands of Josh Jacobs. But Geno Smith played very well in that game. They ran the ball very effectively. So there's no reason for Seattle, sure to be discouraged considering that they lost the game, but there's no reason for them whatsoever, especially on the road, SoFi Stadium, you know, climate, uh, uh, the the uh, the temperature, the conditions are not going to be a factor whatsoever in this game, obviously. Uh, so Seattle, I think, will win this game and cover the spread 27-17 to 17 over the just injury-ridden Los Angeles Rams, who 
Los, An Los Angeles should, should, should stand. It should be L-O-S-S, Angeles Rams. That's how bad it's been. <clears throat> Let's see. Uh, talking about Grady, uh, Grady, Grady Edwards says they'll go two and four. Kind of what I expect for the Cleveland Browns uh, with Deshaun Watson. That's fair. Real quick, let me check the Browns. You know, I'll do that at the end of the show. After I do my predictions, I'll check the Browns' schedule in the last six games of the year. I know they got <clears throat> they got Houston Sunday, obviously. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. And they've got the Bengals next week. So we'll see what the final four games are after that. This is a big one. This is a game that I have been really looking forward to in terms of making a final judgment on a player that I've been very skeptical about. The Miami Dolphins go to... The Bay Area. Yeah, yeah, we are. To take on the San Francisco 49ers. Niners in this game are favored minus four. Obviously, you know Miami has one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL. Again, Tua has had, if you look at just Tua's stats, just his stats by, their, by themselves, by themselves, it, it's a three top three, four uh, stat line in the NFL in terms of QBR, yards, touchdowns. Tua's been great. I mean, there's been, I mean, there's, there's been folks out there, I think it's ridiculous, but there are folks out there debating, hey, should he be MVP over Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes? I don't think so, but his play has been so good that that has become a discussion. Tyree Kill has put up typical Tyree Kill numbers. He's proven this season, this season, to be the best receiver in football. We know the weapons they had there. Gasecki's having a big year. They're running the ball well. The offensive line has improved big time. But I'm looking at the 49ers, right? Underwhelming offensively last week. Dominant defensively, a 13-0 win last week against the New Orleans Saints. For San Francisco, first of all, they got something to prove offensively, considering how they played last week against New Orleans. Jimmy Garoppolo did not play well. Uh, the Niners didn't move the ball down the field all that well. They weren't great in the red zone. But fortunately enough, neither were the New Orleans Saints. And the defense, the Niners' defense was a big reason for that. Here's a stat for San Francisco that is just mind-blowing, and it proves that they're the best defense in football. In their last four games, they have outscored their opponents 57 to nothing in the second half. So what does that mean? They make adjustments. Okay? Uh, I'm forgetting their D'Amico Ryans. D'Amico Ryans, their, their defensive coordinator, who's done a fantastic job, should get some head coaching interviews at season's end, has done a fantastic job with the likes of, obviously, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, uh, Hufunga, stack defense with a great defensive coordinator. I expect them to make the necessary adjustments in this game against the Miami Dolphins. And I will just go ahead and tell you right now, this is my candidate for... Who am I a betting man? If I were a betting man, take the Niners to cover the four-point spread and win this game 34-20 to over the Miami Dolphins. I don't think they'll hold Miami scoreless in the second half, which they've been doing as of late. I think Miami, do, though, does get the majority of their points, probably the first 14 points or so in the first half. But San Francisco relies on the running game. Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. Expect Debo to get a lot of carries on Sunday afternoon against the Miami Dolphins. Against the Dolphins' defense that struggled a little bit against really good offenses. So I think the Niners win by two scores pretty comfortably, 34-20 to 20 over the Miami Dolphins. Moving on to the next matchup. Uh, between this, again, this is another big one. Probably the, the, the most... Give me the most watched game of the weekend that's not the Cowboys because we know the Cowboys get great ratings every week. But second to that will be the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals. Chiefs on the road are favored minus two. I just thought I'd throw in, I know it doesn't have a whole lot to do with the, the outcome of this game in terms of the importance of it. 
but it is at least worth mentioning that the Kansas City Chiefs have not won against the Cincinnati Bengals on the road since Ronald Reagan was president. You know, I'm a big fan of presidential history, so I had to throw that out there. Since President Reagan was in office, that was the last time that the Chiefs beat the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. That was 1984. The Bengals have since won six straight games against Kansas City. Here's what I'm looking at. You heard me say earlier, Kadarius Toney is out. So, you know, Patrick Holmes is without, once again, one of his top targets. But Juju Smith-Schuster played good football. Again, we know what Travis Kelsey represents in terms of the downfield presence that he offers. As for the Bengals, it appears Jamar Chase is also going to be out this week. It's kind of dicey right now. Uh, as, as it stands in the injury report, uh, if you look at Jamar Chase, it says right here that he is questionable to play along with Joe Mixon. But here's the thing for Cincinnati. They just went on the road. It's one of the most impressive wins of the season to me. They went on the road against a hot Tennessee Titans team, <clears throat> in particular a hot Tennessee Titans defense, and were great in the fourth quarter. Moved the ball down the field and then fine. Samaj P. Ryan had a big game. Uh, T. Higgins was great. Caught a big touchdown pass from Joe Burrow. So now, at home, in their stomping grounds, against a team that they beat twice last season. One in Cincinnati and the more important one, on the road at Arrowhead Stadium in the AFC Championship game. They came back from 18 points down to beat the Kansas City Chiefs and get to Super Bowl 56. So is there a revenge factor coming in for Kansas City? Of course there is. But here's what I know. Chiefs defense can be had. you got a Bengals offense that's found its identity a little bit. More of a balanced attack. An O-line that is... Still not great, but it's night and day from what it was back in 2021. Night and day. Even night and day from what it was earlier this season. So you go against Kansas City, though, this time. Chiefs are favored minus two. I'm going to take the Cincinnati Bengals in a high-scoring game. I'm sorry, I, I, I must have said Kansas City there. I, I, right there, that score is wrong. <clears throat> excuse me, that, that says Kansas City 34-28. I meant to actually say, <clears throat> excuse me. Bengals 34-28. My bad, folks. That says Kansas City 34-28. Should say Bengals 34-28. I'll get that fixed uh, by Sunday once I upload the graphics. But I have the Bengals winning this game. 34-28 over the Kansas City Chiefs. Moving on to another divisional matchup between the Los Angeles Chargers and the Las Vegas Raiders. A rematch of a Week 18 matchup a year ago, which decided a playoff spot. And the game where I finally came to the realization that Brandon Staley is in over his head as a head coach because of his late-game decision-making in overtime. Okay, Raiders are favored to minus one in this game. Chargers are coming in. Listen, last-second win on a two, very similar to Jacksonville one, right? Last-second two-point conversion to beat the Arizona Cardinals on the road. So a big, big win for the Chargers in terms of keeping pace in that AFC wildcard chase. But here's what I'm looking at for the LA Chargers. And a big, big flaw, a big hole that the I believe the Raiders are going to expose. The Chargers are one of the worst defenses, <clears throat> run defense in the NFL, giving up on average of 150 yards per game. That is not a good combination against Josh Jacobs, who is having the best season of his career. Against the Josh Jacobs, who a week ago ran for well over 200 yards and the game-winning touchdown to beat the Seattle Seahawks on the road. It's a one-point spread. That feels appropriate. 
<clears throat> excuse me, give me the Las Vegas Raiders to beat the Los Angeles Chargers 29 to 24. I said coming into the year, the Chargers would miss the playoffs. I hold very strongly to that. The Raiders will again put a big, big dent in LA's playoff chances. They split with the Chargers last year. I think they'll split with them this year. Raiders win 29 to 24. They seem to have found a little bit of an offensive identity. They will beat the Los Angeles Chargers 29 to 24 in this game. And the final game for Sunday, high, highly rated one without a question because it features America's team, the Indianapolis Colts and the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas in this game, big, big favorites, minus 10 and a half. Here's what I'm looking at for Dallas. Okay. Again, another team coming off Thanksgiving. Obviously, the Cowboys always plan Thanksgiving. Extra time to prepare for an Indianapolis Colts team that is struggling big time. Offensively, they cannot move the ball down the field. Matt Ryan has become basically a statue in the pocket. Uh, they just cannot move the ball down the field whatsoever. Struggling against the Steelers defense that's been up and down. So they're coming to Dallas. This is the proverbial trap game for the Cowboys. Really, the next three games, if you include this one, are trap games for the Cowboys. Colts, Texans, Jaguars. The three, obviously, bottom feeders in the AFC South. With, obviously, Tennessee. They got the Tennessee Titans in Week 17 after their Christmas Eve matchup against Philly. But for Dallas, you've obviously run the ball exceptionally. Zeke played well last week against the Giants. Tony Pollard, to me, is the better running back. He's run the ball well. CeeDee Lamb had one of his best games, in my view, of the season. Arguably his best game in total last week against the Giants. Albeit against a beat-up secondary. The tight ends are into the act. Guys like Ferguson and Schultz. Hendershot. Dak Prescott's been on the, uh, you know, on his game without a question. Ever since he come back. Ever since he has come back, rather. The Dallas Cowboys are, num are numero uno. In scoring in the NFL at 33.6 points per game. Dak has been dealing. And the sky is also blue. Just breaking news there. Uh, I expect the Cowboys to get off to a little bit of a slow start. I think penalty is going to be a factor. But I do think they will win this game and cover the spread. A two-score win. As big of a two-score win as one can get over in the Indianapolis Colts. 33-17 to to get to 9-3. Try and keep pace with the Philadelphia Eagles. Again, if my upset of the week comes to fruition, then Dallas will officially control their destiny to win the NFC East because, of course, there's that big, big Christmas Eve matchup against Philadelphia in Jerry World. So there you go. Now, there's a lot of controversy with the Cowboys. Obviously, I talked about the Jerry situation yesterday. Uh, again, extra day rest. I think Dallas will take care of business and beat the Colts 33-16. Uh, to 16. Uh, by the way, before I get to the comments, real quick before I get to the comments, this is my Week 12 record last week. Very proud of it. 12-4. and four. Okay, I've got about a 62% uh, accuracy rate on my picks. That's pretty good. It's well over 500. And I hope to keep that thing, just that, that ticker, just keep, keep moving up. That's what we're trying to do. Got a few comments here from Grady. Let's see. Okay, the first one. Does Tua doing well hurt Brian Flores? I like him, but man never make, made the playoffs. I do like him, though, in hopes he gets another shot. Not sure he handled the Giants thing the right way. The more time, uh, here it is, more time goes by. No matter if an interview is a sham, you do it because you never know uh, what can happen. Uh, but I do know that there's an absolute problem with diversity in the NFL coaching ranks. Yeah, I mean, that's there's, there's no question about that last point you made. Does it hurt Brian Flores, though? It certainly does not help. I will tell you that. And I, like you, Grady, am a big, big Brian Flores fan. I think he did a good job. I think he deserves at least some credit in terms of changing the culture of Miami, I just think he was the wrong coach when it comes to developing Tua. Because when you see what Mike McDaniel comes in and does with him, it's night and day. 
Now, am I still sold on two as a franchise quarterback? Again, call me in 16, 17 days after their games against the best defense in football, the San Francisco 49ers, after their game against a guy who some have argued to me outlandishly is better than Tua, or sorry, that Tua is better than in Justin Herbert. You got a Tua versus Herbert matchup in their second game after this one. And then the week after that, you got the Buffalo Bills in freezing cold Orchard Park. I'll make my decision on two of them. But to answer your original question, Grady, does it hurt Brian Flores? It hurts it more than it helps. Let's put it that way. It, it hurts in terms of you question now, can he work with young quarterbacks? That's the only thing. I do, though, hope he does get another shot because I do think he's a good head coach. No question about it. The production was there. Grady Edwards says, Josh Jacobs, that's my fantasy running back. Boy, if, listen, I hope you had Josh Jacobs in your fantasy lineup last week, Grady, because if you did, I'd be shocked if you lost. So I, I'd like to know how many fantasy points Josh Jacobs put up because I, I don't play fantasy uh, more often than not. I've gotten, I've dabbled in it here and there, but I don't know. It's just never really been my thing. Grady says, we're, uh, we're taking the America's team name back when Brady comes back to the Pats next season. I actually did a, a segment on that, Grady, on the show yesterday. I don't see it happening. I just don't. Because I said on the show yesterday, when you talk about what Tom Brady left or why he left, that hasn't changed. Uh, uh, Belichick is still going to have more power than him. And we see how, how that's turned out in terms of putting Matt Patricia, offensive coordinator, and some of the free agent moves they've made the last couple of years. Not to mention the receiving core is bad. Well, it was bad when Brady left and it hasn't got better. Matter of fact, it's probably gotten worse. I don't know. I don't see it. I think Brady probably goes to San Francisco next year. That feels like the better fit, especially if the Niners are healthy. They got these big, big expectations. They're the favorites to get out of the NFC and get back to the Super Bowl, which they got there obviously a few years ago. But if they come up short and it's because Jimmy G didn't play well, they're going to move on. Whether it be to Trey Lance or whether it be, to me in all likelihood, to Tom Brady. He's a Bay Area kid. He was a big Joe Montana fan growing up. He was in attendance when Dwight, when Dwight Clark made the catch to beat the Cowboys in 1982 in the conference title game. He's a Niners fan growing up, Bay Area kid. It only makes sense for him to go back to San Francisco, not go back to San Francisco, go to San Francisco to win one for his hometown team, to pull, basically pull LeBron, although Cleveland hadn't won anything. Cleveland hadn't won anything, so that's different. At least the Niners have five Super Bowls. Yeah, five Super Bowls because they got fourth Montana and one with, with Steve Young. They haven't won it. They have they have actually this is an underrated story. The Niners have a longer championship drought than the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I'm not saying they're not better run than the Cowboys because they are, but I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. Grady says he was in my lineup talking about Josh Jacobs. Like I said, then I'd say you had to have won handily. I'd say you had to have won handily if you had Josh Jacobs. Good pick by you, Grady. Man. And I'd start him again because that Chargers run defense is really bad. Gives up 150 rush yards a game. That's why I'm picking the Raiders. I'd definitely keep Josh Jacobs in your lineup. No question. Then before we get out of here, I said that I would look at, at Cleveland's schedule because Grady was talking about that they go two and four the last bit of the season. So they got, including Sunday, at Houston, at Cincinnati, home against Baltimore, home against the Saints, at Washington, at Pittsburgh. Yeah, that feels like two and four. I think they'll win Sunday against the Texans. I think they'll lose to Cincinnati and Baltimore. I think they'll beat the Saints because they're at home, so the, the weather's going to be a factor, whether it be Jameis or Andy Dalton. I'm going to trust Deshaun Watson more in that climate. 
but I think they lose to a really good Washington defense and running game, and they lose at Pittsburgh. Because there's a chance if Pittsburgh can maybe get hot a little bit here, maybe they make a at least a respectable push for the playoffs. It is Mike Tomlin, never had a losing season. Okay, Mike Tomlin, if he wants to keep that streak alive of, he's been there since 07, I think. Oh, yeah, 07. Mike Tomlin's been the head coach of the Steelers since 2007. He's never had a losing season. If he wants to keep that streak alive, he can't lose He can't lose two or more games. If that happens, the streak comes to an end. So that could be like a, a do-or-die game in terms of that streak for Mike Tomlin. Uh, Grady Edwards says Niners should have kept Alex Smith in hindsight. I don't know about that. I don't know about that because for 2012 and 2013, Kaepernick was more productive than Alex Smith had been to that point. Obviously, they went through quarterback purgatory with <clears throat> once Kaepernick dipped off, then they had Brian Hoyer and they had uh, who was that other guy? I know they had Nick Mullins there for a while. Um, crap, who else do they have? CJ Beathard, I remember him. Blaine Gabbert. Then they obviously, they got Jimmy G. So, I mean, if, you're, if, if he said, that I think they would have won the Super Bowl. I, I don't know. Because, again, the offense really got going the second half. Remember that power outage in the Super Bowl against Baltimore? Uh, the Harbaugh Bowl, as they called it. John versus Jim. And, again, Ravens were up big. I think it was 28-6 to six was the score. But once the power outage happened, it felt like the, there must have been a power outage with the Ravens defense and offense, by the way. Because San Francisco kept going up and down the field. Man, those, those Niners teams were really good. You know, Kaepernick and Anquan Bolden. Frank Gore was in his prime. Randy Moss was on that team. Randy Moss almost got a ring. Who was the tight end? Uh, Delaney Walker was there. Patrick Willis. Navarro Bowman. Those are some stacked Niners teams. I used to play with them a lot in Madden. They were really good. I, 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 don't, I don't think Alex Smith in the lineup. Because I think there's a reason Alex Smith got benched. To begin with. But... That's my opinion. We'll never know. We'll never know. But that was a great Super Bowl, though. I did enjoy it. That's actually the first Super Bowl I ever predicted. Super Bowl 47. And here we are now. I'm doing a podcast. Super Bowl 57 is in two months. There you go. All right. That is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by, as always. <clears throat> Sorry for my cough for the second half of the show. Be sure to catch Carving It Up Live on Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. Also, be sure to like, share, comment. Most importantly, Take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Help the show. Uh, it helps the show tremendously. Also hit the notification bell. Be notified, <clears throat> excuse me, anytime that uh, we do a new live, a YouTube short, upload a new clip from the show. So hit the notification bell. Get notified anytime we upload anything. Also, be sure to subscribe to the Grid Network, G-R-Y-D. That is the Grid Network that I am a part of, along with uh, Barry Grant Jr., who is a co-founder, along with Mike Guido of the All Even Podcast. You got Patrick Brown, the Chaotic Sports Podcast. He's got a really good episode on tap coming out this weekend, so be sure to check that out. The Rocket Fuel Jets Podcast with Alfred Parsar Jr. Clutch Sports Talk with Ryan Flowers. Uh, what else we got? The Cowboys Can Fan Podcast. My guys over there in Canada. So you got to check that stuff out on the grid. Subscribe to the Grid Network, and also, of course, like, share, comment, and hit the notification bell over there. Also, that is where you can find my show on the Grid Network. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts on the Grid Network is where you, <clears throat> excuse me, where you can listen to, uh, to, to Carving It Up. So, a loaded weekend of sports, the World Cup, championship weekend in college football, the NFL, a loaded NFL schedule, by the way. I can't wait. It's going to be a fun, fun sports weekend, and I can't wait to talk all about it on Monday. So, 
Have a great weekend, everybody. Please continue to stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. I don't feel that comfortable with Santa looking over my shoulder like that. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.